that's so braven. If you don't listen to this podcast, do you know what happens? You get it. Okay. I feel good about that. <laughs> This is Benjamin Raven with the Court of Nerds Podcast Network. All that stuff. This is going to be a very different episode of That's So Brave and Meaning. It's going to have a structure to the sense that's not just solely based on current events. We're going to tie in current events. We're going to talk about all that good stuff going on right now. But the Elimination Chamber holds a weird special place in my heart. And I believe there's been 20 matches or the one at this show will be the 20th elimination chamber match well excuse me there are two coming up february 25th from las vegas the raw exclusive elimination chamber pay-per-view with the men's number one contender match and the women's elimination chamber match first ever for alexa bliss's title so there that's coming up that's in uh, 15 days it's saturday evening here in detroit michigan i'm Setting up, I've got my tablet up here with my notes. I've got a glass of wine. Uh, there's some stuff. Yeah, yeah, but let's get into it. Let's get into it. I'm going to run through chronologically each elimination chamber, offer some thoughts if I have any, if I watched it, if I didn't watch it, what I thought, what I would do differently, and then I'm going to break down what I think works inside the elimination chamber, what doesn't work. Um... And then I'll look at my three favorite, and I'll look at my three least favorite, and then we will preview the one coming up. If that sounds good to you, that sounds good to me. Yeah? All right. Like I said on last week's uh, show, I wanted to hear more from you guys. I'm going to handle the first couple of long-form topics myself, and then maybe we'll start throwing some polls out there, hear what you guys want to hear from me. I'll go any length, baby, if you know what I'm saying. I will go any length, I will do any topic, I'm serious, serious. So I'll handle the first couple of topics myself, and then maybe I'll throw it out to you guys. But before we get into all that, let me just uh, pimp out Tom and Chi Granville. I am lactose intolerant. Dairy hurts my tum-tum. This place rocks. You should uh, like Tom and Chi Granville on Facebook. You should visit them in Granville and get their sandwiches because... This is something I can't eat every day. I only treat myself to Tom and Chi when they're feeding us at Grand Rapids Comic Con, our other fantastic sponsors. While we're moderating panels running around, I'll eat anything. Anything. And uh, three days in a row I had that grilled cheese sandwich with uh, barbecue potato chips on it, barbecue sauce. Mm, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Tom and Chi Granville. Check them out. Find them on Facebook. Go pay them a visit. And uh, Grand Rapids Comic Con. We are a ways out, that is no doubt, but doesn't mean it's too late to start getting hyped up because they're already rolling out that lineup list. So get your butts and hold on to them for that. But enough of that. Let's talk. We're going all the way back to Madison Square Garden, New York, New York, November 17th, 2002, the first ever Elimination Chamber match. Now, 
we've been told that this was the creation of Eric Bischoff. The 16 tons of steel that's 95 feet high in the air. Steel, unforgiving, no give. You get the picture. Remember when Eric came out and did that before the first elimination chamber with like a lead pipe before the guys came out and just started hitting stuff and talking about the match? I thought that was great. I thought that was great. But that first one, that first one between Triple H came in as the champion, I believe, and it was Kane, Booker T, Chris Jericho, Rob Van Dam, and the recently returned Shawn Michaels. Ooh, this might still be the best one because this had a little bit of everything. Kane and Booker T, Chris Jericho, Rob Van Dam, Triple H, and Shawn Michaels. If my memory serves me correctly, Chris Jericho and Rob Van Dam opened this thing, and that's a smart way to open it with those guys. Oh, my goodness, that's a good... Oh, shit. Let me stop myself here for a second. Elimination Chamber. Six men. Two guys start in the ring. Four. The four other guys are locked in pods. Every five minutes, a guy is released. Or woman this year. Hey, hey, equality. And they do that every five minutes until everybody's in the ring. It's an elimination match. Hence the name. Last person standing is your winner. There you go. There's steel surrounding the outside of the ring. So it's like a Hell in a Cell without the mat. It's just steel. It's a steel outside of the ring and it's a steel structure there are glass pods there are things to jump off of climb up and let's just say that rob van dam thank god they put rob van dam in this first one because he was leaping all over the place doing spider jumps taking bumps on the steel triple h took so many bumps on the steel in this first elimination chamber match so right from the get off late 2002 i'm what, 13, 14 years old? I watched this live on pay-per-view. Huge Shawn Michaels fan. And I just remember being 13 or 14 thinking, this must be terrible to do as a performer. Oh my gosh. Everything about this match looks like it hurts. Everything about this match looks like it hurts. But enough of that. Because <laughs> it hasn't changed a ton since the match was first introduced. So, yeah, it's pretty much still just that. And let's just set everything straight. It wasn't Eric Bischoff's idea. It wasn't just Triple H's idea. WWE Creative is a team of people. There might have been more influence from one person than there was another, but to give this match one credit, credit to one person, no, 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 no. I highly recommend you go over and listening to Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard, minus the T, uh, for their episode on Survivor Series 2002 because the whole pay-per-view is fantastic start to finish. That's a great show start to finish and the Elimination Chamber, this was the best one. This, arguably, inarguably, whatever, my opinion, 2002, the first one was the best one. We got to see how brutal this match was. It was the perfect Mitch, Mitch of six guys. Um, some scary moments in this one, some scary moments in this one. Uh, Rob Van Dam uh, did the five-star frog splash. Well, they called it a five-star frog splash. He just kind of fell with a body splash onto Triple H, and his shin landed across Triple H's neck. Really messed up his esophagus. I guess Triple H had a hard time breathing the whole match. He was spitting up blood. He also thought he, like, broke his wrist, too. So just, you know, I mean, it's just one of those things that happens, especially in matches like this. Guys are going to get hurt. But this was fresh off of SummerSlam that Triple H and Shawn Michaels had that fantastic unsanctioned match. Uh, the brands have just officially split. We've got two champions. We've got two different rosters. And 
Nobody's thought Shawn Michaels was going to win this match. Oh my god, Shawn Michaels with his poop pants and cowboy boots and a little Dutch boy haircut. God, nobody thought he was going to win. He looked, I mean, I mean, his ring attire, he looked terrible. Physically, he looked great. In the ring, he looked great as well. I did, I did not feel like Shawn Michaels was limited at all in this match. This had fantastic back and forth mat, uh, action. Use the environment. Just a who's who of people in this match. Just fantastic stuff. Fantastic stuff. Uh, Shawn Michaels gets the win. Becomes World Heavyweight Champion. Really emotional stuff. Confetti falls from the rafters of Madison Square Garden. And just like that, Elimination Chamber starts off with a bang. Now, moving on to the second one. This one came from Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, still Raw exclusive. This one was at SummerSlam. SummerSlam. Uh, Triple H came in as the champion. There was Shawn Michaels, Goldberg, Randy Orton, Chris Jericho, and Kevin Nash. This is in 2003. Listen to that roster, the lineup in the second Elimination Chamber match from August 24th, 2003. Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Goldberg, Randy Orton, Chris Jericho, and Kevin Nash. Fun little fact here. Ah, if my memory... You know what? I don't need my memory. I've got my notes right here. 19 minutes and 12 seconds. The only Elimination Chamber match to ever take less than 20 minutes. The shortest Elimination Chamber match. I went back and watched this one in the past year. It did not feel like 19 minutes. This felt like a really long match. You know what? That's... I am really confused right now. 19 minutes. Releasing guys every five minutes. Whatever. Um, but Triple H gets the win. Um, they did a... The, the ending to this one was really interesting. Goldberg was super over, even with the WWE fans at this point. He was fresh to WWE, and he still was a hard-hitting motherfucker. God, he was. He was. He speared the shit out of Chris Jericho through one of those glass pods. Um, I think Kevin Nash wrestled for about three minutes. Randy Orton jumped off the top rope. That's when he was still doing that, before Arn told him to super glue his feet to the ground. He never jumped again. <coughs> oh, excuse me, excuse me. But going back to the ending of this match... I believe it was Ric Flair. He slid. Okay, first off, Triple H hides from Goldberg in a pod. Locks himself inside of a pod to stay away from Goldberg. Goldberg kicks through the pod. Uh, just great stuff. And Goldberg's coming to spear Triple H. And Triple H has, mind you, he's wearing like spandex under his uh, normal uh, tights. And I, I, I believe he was working with a messed up hammy on this one. I don't think it was his quad this time around, but... Yeah, he was obviously limited, so that's, that's probably why this match was 19 minutes and the finish went down the way it did, because Goldberg is coming to spear Triple H. Ric Flair slides. This is the height of Evolution. Not the height, but during Evolution. Ric Flair slides the sledgehammer through the chamber. Triple H conceals it, hits Goldberg, gets the pin. I just thought that was great. You know, obviously Triple H was hurt. Kevin Nash was Kevin Nash at this point. Goldberg was fresh in WWE. You got Jericho, you got Orton, you got HBK. There was some good stuff here. They built some future feuds. They they had Goldberg throw people around, spear people through things, out of the ring, onto the steel. It was physical. It was quick. It was short. We probably got shortchanged on an ending, but that just happens, and I don't mean that negatively. If you're hurt, you're hurt. you got to find a way to work around that, and I thought they did that the best they could. Obviously, this did not have the same impact as the first one now this third one has a special place in my heart fun fact the only one to ever take place outside of the united states the mainland united states excuse me mainland 
United States from San Juan, Puerto Rico, New Year's resolution. What do they call this? Was it res- revolution? Sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, New Year's revolution from San Juan, Puerto Rico. It was Triple H as champion. No, it was a vacant title. That's right, vacant title. Triple H, Randy Orton, Batista, Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit before he murdered his wife and kid, and Edge. Now, this was before Edge had won a world title. Um, this was at the height of Randy Orton, Triple H, and Batista's feud. Not feud, but uh, evolution is starting to crumble from within. Uh, Batista and Triple H are starting to butt heads a little bit because Batista... <laughs> excuse me, hit my elbow real hard there. Batista is starting to butt into a superstar in his own right. Randy Orton was already the youngest world champion in history. He, they turned him face. They really cooled off his run. They should have kept him a shit heel. They fucked up Randy Orton early on in his career, but he turned out okay. The story here was, will Batista... Will Batista wrestle? Will he fight whoever? Will he pin Triple H if the opportunity presents itself? Will Batista take the World Heavyweight Championship? It was a fantastic story. I, I, I have a very, very soft spot for this match. I, I loved this match. I believe Benoit and Jericho started. They beat the crap out of each other. A lot of guys got color. Excuse me. Color. They bled. And, oh yeah, Shawn Michaels was the guest referee. So much stuff comes back to me when I start talking about these things. I have my notes, but I try and not use them because I've got this stupid brain that saves so much knowledge. And uh, Edge Spears, Shawn Michaels on accident sean doesn't count the pin sean super kicks edge edge is out edge would go on to bigger and better things in a year in albany new york but we'll touch on that here after i talk about this one this was just fantastic stuff batista gets eliminated after teasing that he might uh hulk up on triple h he gets eliminated triple h and randy orton uh going at it randy orton really survives like a either three-on-one or two-on-one situation pins batista uh, Batista either comes back in or doesn't leave the chamber and just takes Randy's head off. Takes Randy's head off with a clothesline and then Triple H gets the pin. Blah, blah, blah. Moving on, that set up WrestleMania 21 between, um, excuse me, uh, Batista and Triple H in the main event. Fantastic WrestleMania. WrestleMania does not get talked about enough. WrestleMania 21, WrestleMania goes Hollywood. Watch that show if you haven't seen that show. This The whole build to that Batista-Triple H match... That's, that is stuck with me. I can't believe that was 12, 13 years ago. That's messed up. That's messed up, man. <laughs> oh, that was a good one, though. Triple H won. That was some... Triple H has won the first two out of three. He's been in all three of them, so that's fun. <laughs> Moving on to the next year. Also, a soft spot in my heart. New Year's Revolution, once again. Still Raw exclusive. First four. All Raw exclusive. Watch this one live. I did not watch 2005 live. I did not watch 2003 live. I watched 2002 live. I definitely watched 2006 live because this is one of my favorite moments in professional wrestling history. This was a weird elimination chamber. John Cena as champion. He had been a WWE champion for quite some time. Since WrestleMania 21. That's right. He beat JBL. And then switched over to Raw. They switched Batista and John Cena. They switched their shows. Switched champions. It was awesome. This one was John Cena, Shawn Michaels, Kurt Angle, Kane, Chris Masters, and Carlito, Caribbean Cool. The final three in this match were Masters, Carlito, and Cena. Now, at this time, Masters and Carlito were a tag team. I was very disappointed in how quickly Michaels, Angle, and Kane were eliminated. They were like afterthoughts in this match. But 
the tension and the story being told with these two young bucks, Carlito and Chris Masters taking on John Cena two on one, just method, slow, methodically beating the shit out of him, like beating bloody John Cena up. You're thinking there is no way Cena's gonna win this, blah blah blah. Carlito turns on Masters, the low blow schoolboy. Carlito is celebrating. Cena rolls him up. Boom. Raise the chamber. Cena remains champion. Not so fast, my friend. Vince McMahon's music hits. The chamber's going up. He starts screaming to turn off my music, turn off my music. Boom. The first ever Money in the Bank briefcase cash in. Edge comes out. John Cena had just got the living shit kicked out of him, survived the elimination chamber, and Edge cashes in his Money in the Bank contract and comes down, spears Cena, Cena kicks out, spears him again, gets the three count, Edge finally bursts through and becomes WWE champion. Now, he would lose it a month later at the Royal Rumble, but whatever. Just seriously, whatever. That's besides the point because this was beautiful. This was a fantastic moment in the near 30-minute Elimination Chamber match where John Cena takes an absolute beating. Just brilliantly told. Just brilliantly... You built a superstar by doing that. You built a star in Edge. Now, at the expense of Edge comes the Carlito and Chris Masters train coming to a halt. I was big on Carlito and Masters. I thought they were great little shit heels. I thought they both had a lot of upside. I liked Carlito's work a whole lot. And felt like WWE squandered a lot of their opportunities with him. Masters is another story. That was just a good fit for him. And not that I wanted either of those guys to be WWE champion at the time. Because I didn't really feel it was believable. Even though they did a great job at convincing myself in the moment that it was believable. I just felt that, yeah, they traded Edge for those two. And that was a smart call. That was a smart, smart, smart call. And that was, that holds a special place in my heart. That was a great show from January 8th, 2006. Now, for the first time, we have two Elimination Chambers in the same calendar year. And this is the absolute worst pay-per-view I've ever seen in my life. And this was probably the worst... Yeah, this was the worst Elimination Chamber match. And that's saying a lot. I, I would rather watch that terrible Intercontinental or the Tag Team Elimination Chamber match from 2015 instead of the December to Dismember ECW Championship, WWECW Championship, December 3rd, 2006 from Augusta, Georgia. Yeah, because why the fuck wouldn't you put the ECW brand pay-per-view in fucking Philly, you fucking idiots? What? What were they thinking? Augusta, Georgia, for your first WWECW brand pay-per-view with an extreme elimination chamber? You're going to put it in Augusta, Georgia, home of the Masters. It's thinking like that that makes me hate myself for being a wrestling fan for fucking 22 years now. But that's not why this match sucked. This match was Bobby Lashley. The Big Show entered as ECW champion. Rob Van Dam, Hardcore Holly, Test, and CM Punk. That sounds great on paper, right? Yeah, it does sound great on paper. Except when you have Test eliminate Rob Van Dam. Test eliminated Rob Van Dam. CM Punk was one of the first guys eliminated. And Bobby Lashley and the Big Show wrestled it out in the ring for most of the time. That's right, Bobby Lashley and Big Show wrestled for most of this match. To end it, 
Bobby Lashley and Big Show. You know, the Impact Champion and Big Show. This was terrible. I'm going to move on. This show was terribly executed. It had one good match on the card between Eminem, Mercury, and... Oh, God. Mercury, Marina, and Molina, and Nitro versus the Hardy Boys. That was a fantastic match. It was... Showed signs of resurrecting the tag team division. But guess what? This is about the Elimination Chamber. And that Elimination Chamber match sucked. So hard. Moving on. It would be about... Yeah, more than a whole year until our next one at No Way Out. The first ever SmackDown exclusive Elimination Chamber. December... Oh, excuse me. February 17th, 2008 from Las Vegas, Nevada. We've got The Undertaker, Batista, Fit Finley, The Great Khali, Big Daddy V, and Mark Henry. Oh man, I kind of forgot about this one. I really did forget about this one. That's right. Undertaker, Fit Finley, Batista, The Great Khali, Big Daddy V, Viscera, King Mabel, so on and so forth. Yeah. The winner of this match, I believe, was... Yeah, that's right. The winner of this match was granted... uh, the World Heavyweight Championship match at WrestleMania 24. Undertaker would go on to face Edge for the championship. He would beat Edge for the championship and win. The Elimination Chamber match win about 29 minutes, I believe my notes say here. Yeah, this was... Uh... Excuse me, it was uh, MVP in this match and not Mark Henry. Got my uh, M names mixed up. But this was, uh, was kind of cool. Undertaker was still doing good stuff and batista was still super hot at this time and batista and undertaker were the last two guys in this match and this was a brutal match too god this was a brutal match too i believe big daddy v god that was so weird to see that big guy in there he took a nasty ddt on the chamber steel great Kali tapped out that that i hated seeing Kali in there that just did not do him any favors at all and it didn't do the crowd any favors either God, yeah, there were a lot of big moves in this match. Undertaker chokeslams MVP off the top of the pod. Finley gets chokeslammed on the chamber floor, and Batista gets eliminated last after a classic tombstone pile driver. And Undertaker would go on to face Edge in a fantastic match at WrestleMania 24. This one was okay. There's a, you know, this one was okay. I, I will give it that. The main event. Of the evening was the Elimination Chamber match for a shot at the WWE Championship at WrestleMania 24. Randy Orton was our WWE Champion at this point, and he would go on to face Cena, Triple H, Cena and Triple H in a triple threat match at WrestleMania 24 because Triple H would win the second uh, Elimination Chamber of the night at No Way Out back in February 2008. And this one was pretty solid. I remember liking this one a lot. Triple H, Jeff Hardy... Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho, Umaga, and JBL. Jeff Hardy was so over at this point. I believe he was even on the promotional poster. And this is one of those just ways to build hatred for people because people wanted Jeff Hardy to win this match. People wanted to see Jeff Hardy get a title match at WrestleMania. The crowd did, at least. And I believe Jeff Hardy was the last guy eliminated. Let me see here. Yep, yep, yep. He was pinned after a pedigree in a steel chair at the 24-minute mark. Triple H would go on, and him and John Cena would lose at WrestleMania 24. So there you go. Nothing happened to that one. Undertaker would win that one. It was a... I want to... I was really choppy on this one because I have a lot of strong feelings about what they did in 2008 when they put both 
Elimination Chamber show matches on the same card, and then they turned it into this annual February thing where we would have two Elimination Chamber matches on the card. It would eventually be renamed from No Way Out to Elimination Chamber. It just... I have the same feelings for the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. It takes away an element of surprise. It takes a storytelling element away. We know what's coming. It's not surprising. It's not exciting when the Elimination Chamber is announced. It's not exciting when Hell in a Cell is announced. We know it's coming. We know it's going to be at the pay-per-view named Hell in a Cell. We know the Elimination Chamber is going to be at the show. Elimination Chamber. I hate it so much. I used to love seeing a feud get to the point where it would result in a Hell in a Cell match. Or seeing six top guys vying for the title. And then they get put in a match. I miss the element of surprise. And WWE has deleted the element of surprise from using gimmick matches for the last decade. Since this month. Since February 2008. There were two Elimination Chambers on this card. It was oversaturation. It was overkill. It was too much. And it watered down the importance and how very special and different that this match and how dangerous that it was that watered it down and that is a disservice that is a true disservice moving on to 2009 because well here we are february 2009 no way out coming from seattle washington and we've got two elimination chamber matches once again this was cool though i enjoyed the hell out of no way out 2009 because the opening I believe it was the opening and closing match. No, it, oh yeah, it was the opening and closing match for the Elimination Chamber matches. The first one was for the WWE title, and it was Triple H, Big Show, Edge, Jeff Hardy, The Undertaker, and Vladimir Kozlov. Edge entered as the champion. He would go on to lose the belt to Triple H in the Elimination Chamber. But this is not the last you will hear of Edge, who, my God, the Edge character was built around the Elimination Chamber event in a way. And 2009 sent that home because while Edge lost his WWE title in the Elimination Chamber in about 36 pretty solid minutes outside of Kozlov just not belonging in there with Big Show, Edge, Hardy, Undertaker, or Triple H, it was a fantastic match. Once they got him out of the way, once Undertaker finally gets Kozlov out of the ring, after like fucking 20 minutes, I went back and watched this one. You just like breathe a sigh of relief because it's going to be solid wrestling from here on out. Big Show, Jeff Hardy, Triple H, and Undertaker were the final four. Edge went out early. I, I, I skipped over this. I'm sorry. Edge, oh my God. This, this was so shocking. Edge got uh, rolled up. He got rolled up three minutes into the match. Three minutes into the match, the champion was eliminated. That was a hell of a way to start a pay-per-view. That is the way that you bring back the element of surprise. And not only that, but it sets something else up. Later in the night, the main event of the evening was for the World Heavyweight Championship. And it was Kofi Kingston, Chris Jericho, Kane, John Cena, Mike fucking Knox, and Rey Mysterio. Oh, excuse me. That's right. As Kofi Kingston was coming to the ring, Edge attacked him. Hit him with a concerto on the steel steps and disposed of Kingston. Knocked him out. A, I was super bummed that Kingston didn't get a chance to wrestle for the World Heavyweight Championship in the main event of a pay-per-view. This is nine years ago. We're still not using him to his full effect. But uh, this was genius. 
this is genius. It was a genius use of the Edge character. It put him on a new show. It gave him a new belt eventually. Spoiler. Edge wins this match. After taking out Kofi Kingston, placing himself in the match, he enters last and wins the championship. He spears Rey Mysterio, who the crowd was begging for, with a spear about 30 minutes in. 2009, fun show. You should go check out those uh, Elimination Chambers from 2009. Uh, Elimination Chamber 2010. I, yeah, I was uh, taking a break from wrestling at this point. John Cena won the WWE title from Sheamus beating Triple H, Kofi Kingston, Ted DiBiase Jr., and Randy Orton. Um, ooh, that's right. Nope, I take it back. I saw this show. Chris Jericho. Yep, that's right. I don't remember the WWE Championship one. Must have been pretty forgettable. But I do remember the World Heavyweight Championship match because it was the champion, Undertaker, John Morrison, Rey Mysterio, CM Punk, and R-Truth versus Chris Jericho. In the setup... Arguably one of the greatest WrestleMania matches in the history of WrestleMania, if not the history of WWE. All of WWE, not just WrestleMania. This was the year after WrestleMania 25 where Undertaker and Shawn Michaels had a perfect match. Just an absolutely perfect match. And Undertaker beat Shawn. And Shawn wanted The Undertaker. He wanted his rematch with The Undertaker at WrestleMania 26. And Undertaker would not give it to him. He would not give it to him. Undertaker was world heavyweight champion. We're about a month and a half out from WrestleMania. If you're going to do Sean Undertaker 2, you got to get that belt off of Undertaker. And that's exactly what they do. Shawn Michaels interferes in the match, costs Undertaker the championship, and hands it to his arch rival at the time. One of his greatest arch rivals in the history of his career, Chris Jericho. That's right. Chris Jericho pins The Undertaker after a sweet chin music from Shawn Michaels about 36 minutes in. It was really, 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 really cool to see The Undertaker and Chris Jericho get to work together for a championship because that is something that we did not get a lot of. That's a huge missed opportunity in the history of WWE was that there was not a huge Chris Jericho Undertaker storyline. It was cool to see those guys get in the ring together and it was even cooler to see the way that they built the Undertaker Shawn Michaels rematch at WrestleMania 26 that would ultimately be the last match of Shawn Michaels' career. Fantastic stuff. Absolutely fantastic stuff. That I mean the main event was fantastic stuff. I don't even remember the raw match, so there you go. This is the point where we're going to start cruising through them a little bit more. We're in 2011 here. Uh the World Heavyweight we're still doing two goddamn championship or number one contender elimination chamber matches at one show elimination chamber 2011 this is this is the dumbest time in wwe history and i one of the dumbest times i i did i watched very sporadically through 11 12 and 13 i did 11 12 and 2011 through 2013 were my down years on wrestling and wwe like i took a break i took a break it was one of the only major breaks in my life from wrestling, but Elimination Chamber 2001. Also, I've gone back and watched all these. Well, whatever. Edge defends his World Heavyweight title against Rey Mysterio, Kane, Drew McIntyre, Big Show, and Wade Barrett. Later in the night, it was for a WWE Championship match at WrestleMania 27. John Cena beat CM Punk, John Morrison, Sheamus, Randy Orton, and R-Truth. He would go on to um, 
lose to The Miz in the main event at WrestleMania 27, which was just a placeholder to set up his two-year feud with The Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, the next year. Yep, we're still doing two Elimination Chamber matches a night at Elimination Chamber 2012. WWE Championship match. CM Punk defends his title by beating The Miz, Chris Jericho, Kofi Kingston, Dolph Ziggler, and R-Truth. Later in the night, World Heavyweight title match, Daniel Bryan also defends his title against Santino Morella, Wade Barrett, Cody Rhodes, Big Show, and The Great Khali. Alright, I will talk about this 2012 SmackDown World Heavyweight title match a little bit, just because this was awesome. This was a little taste of the Royal Rumble in there. Santino Morella. Santino Morella, everyone. Santino Morella. They had us buying for a goddamn second that he was about to be World Heavyweight Champion. He rolled people up, he survived, he survived and advanced, and he had Daniel Bryan rolled up to the point that the crowd was on the edge of their seats, thinking that Santino was about to become their world heavyweight champion. Well, he didn't. Bryan, excuse me, Bryan defended his belt, went on to lose it in like two seconds at WrestleMania to Sheamus, so it didn't really matter anyway. Oh, man. Yep, definitely have never seen this one. Elimination Chamber 2013. Must have been SmackDown exclusive at the time. There was only one Elimination Chamber match that night. For the World Heavyweight title shot at WrestleMania 29. <clears throat> wow. Jack Swagger beat Randy Orton, Chris Jericho, Mark Henry, Kane, and Daniel Bryan. Moving on. Uh, we are back. We're back. I know all this stuff now. Elimination Chamber 2014. The height of the yes movement. Randy Orton, Daniel Bryan, John Cena, Cesaro, Christian, and Sheamus for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. We've got one title. Two shows still, one title. We're sharing the pay-per-view. Elimination Chamber 2014. Randy Orton defends in 37 or so minutes. Just, this was just, looking back on it now, just great storytelling. Whether they meant to or not, they told a great story. Daniel Bryan was the guy the fans wanted. He was obviously the most talented guy in the world at the time. And Randy Orton just kept finding ways to win. Distractions, interference, what if, what have you. Randy Orton kept hanging on to the belt since that SummerSlam double cross from Triple H. This was a fantastic just on the edge of this on the edge of your seat match just because you think Daniel Bryan might win it. He might win it. Everybody wants it. Everybody wants it, but no, he does not win it. Randy Orton hits Daniel Bryan with an RKO after Cena is eliminated uh, from outside interference from Bray Wyatt to set up that WrestleMania match, so on and so forth. We've this, oh yeah, earlier in the night, Batista beat Alberto Del Rio. That's right, because later at WrestleMania 30, it would be Batista, Daniel Bryan, and Randy Orton, and we would get Cena and Bray Wyatt. They did a lot of building things here. It was really cool to see Sheamus, Christian, and all these guys lasted a long time. There were a lot of guys in the ring at the same time in this match. That is one thing that I wrote down in my notes. Lots of guys in the ring at the same time. I highly recommend you go back and watch that main event to wrestle uh, <clears throat> Elimination Chamber 2014. Fantastic stuff. Fantastic stuff. We've got a couple more just to get through because I ain't going to waste anybody's time talking about 2015. Elimination Chamber 2015 was not your traditional pay-per-view or big show. It was kind of a last-minute thrown-together WWE Network Special from Corpus Christi, Texas. We had our first ever tag team elimination chamber. This was a hot mess. This sucked so hard. This was so sloppy. 
nobody knew what they were doing before they were doing it. Every spot was called. Everything was off the mark. Everything was mistimed. It just felt terrible. The Los Matadors, Lucha Dragons, Ascension, Kid and Cesaro, primetime players in the New Day. New Day defends their titles in a shit show. Sin Cara climbs to the top of the chamber and just stays there forever and then falls from the top. It's just like... This felt like a TNA lockdown, lethal lockdown match. It was terrible. Ugh. And then we didn't get a championship match that night, like a world heavyweight title match. We got an intercontinental championship match. I believe it was for the vacant intercontinental title. This happened in May. It was after WrestleMania. Uh, Daniel Bryan had to basically retire, gave up his IC belt. He won at Mania. So it was Ryback, Sheamus, Ziggler, Mark Henry, R-Truth, and King Barrett. Ryback won in about 25 minutes. If you like train wrecks, go back and watch that network special. This is, I wish they wouldn't have done this. But that's right. Here we are. The last one, Elimination Chamber 2017, February 12th, 2017 from Phoenix. This was fun stuff last year. Bray Wyatt, John Cena, AJ Styles, The Miz, Dean Ambrose, and Baron Corbin. For the WWE Championship. John Cena is the champion. He beat AJ Styles for the belt. Uh, previous show at the Royal Rumble. Fantastic match of the year quality match. And Bray Wyatt gets his first world title win here. In about 35 minutes he beats Cena, Styles, Miz, Ambrose, and Corbin. And I remember being absolutely in love with that match. Just because SmackDown was so damn good at this point. I mean, SmackDown was very good at this point. This show goes as follows. I recommend this whole show. It wasn't anything crazy, but just if you're going to watch last year's Elimination Chamber match for the WWE title, go back and watch this whole show. Seriously, it was Becky Lynch, Mickey James, Apollo Crews and Callisto versus Dolph Ziggler in a handicap match, American Alpha versus The Ascension for the tag team titles. Oh, that's right. It was the tag team turmoil match. That was fun stuff. Natalia versus Nikki Bella. That was that. That's the one you could skip past, and I love Natalia. I've got a sweet spot for Natalia. That match sucked. Randy Orton beat Luke Harper. Fantastic use of those guys. They got a lot of time in that. Naomi beat Alexa Bliss for her first title. That was cool. But then Bray Wyatt winning his title, going to WrestleMania as champion, just being in there with guys like The Miz, AJ Styles, Dean Ambrose, and Cena, and Baron Corbin too was. I mean, it was a yet again another opportunity for him to prove himself, and he kind of just disappeared as he seems to do in big matches. He did not impress me in that match, and uh, still holding out hope for him. Big guy, decent talker, two kick-ass send home, moves of doom. But moving on, we're going to take a quick break here. Um, Tom and Chi Granville, go buy some sandwiches. Also, thecordofnerds.com is where you can find our comic reviews, all of our podcasts, weird things we feel like writing out, TheCourtOfNerds.com. You can find us on Twitter, Court underscore of underscore nerds. We are on Facebook, Court of Nerds. We are on iTunes, The Court of Nerds Podcast. We are on anything you can play a podcast on. We got That So Braven, Mr. Sledge's Neighborhood, Reverse Centaur, so on and so forth. The main podcast, all that good stuff. We are sponsored by Grand Rapids Comic Con. We serve as their moderators each year. We love working with them. We want to do more with Comic Cons. Uh, Tom and Chi keeps us fed when we're working out there. They can keep you fed too. Go go visit them. Find them on Facebook. Tom and Chi Granville. But we're going to get back into that wrestling talk because this is that so Braven. Benjamin Raven. I talk wrestling. I talk comic books. But tonight we're talking Elimination Chamber. 
And I'm going to go through my three favorite matches, just because, just because, my three favorite Elimination Chamber matches. My favorite, no, I'm going to make y'all wait. Number three, number three, the number three spot on my favorite Elimination Chamber match is the uh, 2006 New Year's Revolution, just based on the fact that the ending to that match when Cena survives Carlito and Masters just makes you feel like he's never going to lose the title the, the the stupid high school mark like i was at the time was so pissed off that it's just like god he's still champion it's never gonna happen i'm angry at everything everything sucks and then mcmahon's music hits edge music hits edge is world champion in the instant fantastic storytelling fantastic use of the character fantastic use of the match it was smart 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 my second favorite Elimination Chamber match of all time. Oh, between two here. Between two, between two is uh, Elimination Chamber 2014. Randy Orton, Daniel Bryan, John Cena, Cesaro, Christian, and Sheamus. These guys are crisp. That was good storytelling. And once again, the result left fans pissed off and wanting more. Wanting more Daniel Bryan. Wanting Daniel Bryan to get another chance. And it happened eventually. It set up some great things in 2014 and really... The Yes Movement, and it really started to put WWE in that mainstream picture. It really did. It really did. And it starts here. You can trace it back to a little before here, even the SummerSlam with, uh, yeah, SummerSlam 2013. I think you can trace Daniel Bryan, Cena, and Orton, and Triple H. Those four guys is bringing wrestling mainstream. The ESPN coverage, the podcasts on every corner that you look I think it goes back to that. But my number one favorite Elimination Chamber match remains the first one from November 17th, 2002, Madison Square Garden. Shawn Michaels triumphantly returns with his Dutch boy haircut to beat Triple H, Chris Jericho, Kane, Booker T, and Rob Van Dam. These guys didn't know what the hell they were getting into. They beat the living shit out of each other. It was a great story. It was a great match. It was a great moment. And it it just really set the precedent for things to come and just really impressed with what they did that night i believe that was even the longest one the first one was the longest i believe i think it went about 40 minutes and it doesn't slow down it, it's not slow these are hall of famers every single one of those guys in that match is a hall of famer it should be is already or will be fits that bill sorry i don't want to get that have people they're not hall of famers sorry moving on that's my favorite hands down it's not even close my three least favorite, um, it's, the, number three is the tag team match, number two is the Intercontinental title match, both from Elimination Chamber 2015, those were last minute throws together, those guys, I mean, that Intercontinental title match, Dolph Ziggler screaming spots at people, I mean, and that's not on Ziggler, I mean, it is for making, not concealing it better, but... Nobody knew what the fuck they were doing out there, and that was a terribly put-together show. Both matches were terrible. Props to them for trying, and props to them for trying to give us an Elimination Chamber match, but this is one of those moments where they didn't have to force it, and it really sucked. It looked bad. You know, it really did. But my least favorite of all time remains the ECW December to Dismember Extreme Elimination Chamber match. It's for a couple of reasons. It was in Augusta, Georgia. The crowd didn't give a shit. You didn't utilize CM Punk. You utilized Test and Bobby Lashley a hell of a lot. And I just look at that lineup of Lashley Show, Test, Van Dam, Hardcore Holly, and CM Punk. And if you want to get Bobby, Bobby Lashley over, put him in 
there with Rob Van Dam and Rob Van Dam and CM Punk for 15 minutes. I mean, that's what they did with Roman Reigns after he beat Triple H for the title at WrestleMania. And the crowd still wasn't liking him. They put him with AJ Styles, and he had some goddamn great matches. And that ECW show is just a mountain of missed opportunities, and it was a shit show. That match sucked balls. That show sucked balls. So that's probably why that match is my least favorite, because it sucked. Everything about that show sucked. It smelled like shit. Moving on. Let's preview this year's. We know five of the six men in the WWE Universal number one contender match. Braun Strowman, Elias, John Cena, Roman Reigns, and The Miz. There um, is a fatal four-way, the upcoming Monday night on Raw. I believe that's going to be February 12th. Uh, Kane does not get a chance for some reason, but Matt Hardy, Finn Balor, and <clears throat> Apollo Crews, and somebody else do. So we'll see who's in that, but... I'm excited for the men's match big time because of a couple reasons. Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns, Cena, The Miz, and Elias. And hopefully it's Finn Balor. If it's those six guys, I mean, it's going to be good. This is going to be good. There's no way this isn't going to be good. Because there's people like me who want to see Braun break through. And there's the rest of the world that knows it's going to be Roman Reigns. Because they are going to do Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 34. We all know that. But here we are. This has got feels of Daniel Bryan to me. This has got feels of Batista in 2005 to me. Is he going to break through? Are they going to give Braun the chance? Or are they going to shock us and make us believe for a second it might be Elias? Or does Miz get the chance? You see what I'm saying here? There's a lot of guys in this match, and there's a lot of guys in this match with chemistry. Elias and Cena are getting better every time they touch. Cena and Reigns had a shit match at No Mercy, I felt like. I, 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 don't, I don't get the praise that match has been getting. I thought that was terribly thrown together and a waste. The Miz is at the best point of his career right now. If, if Miz wins this match, hallelujah. That's awesome. I don't care if it's Miz versus Lesnar. Like, seriously, I know that's illogical. But I'm just saying right here, right now, anything could happen in this match. I, I mean... There's an 85% chance it's going to be Roman Reigns, but there's still that 15% chance because Braun Strowman is over. He's a superstar. He looks great. And he's the type of guy that it's believable that he'll run through these motherfuckers inside of an elimination chamber. I want to see four running power slams through glass pods. If you don't do that, you've wasted Braun Strowman. And if that means the men have to go on last over the first women's elimination chamber, then so be it. Because the elimination chamber for the women is just another example of WWE padding its milestone checklist. Oh, the women are in a Royal Rumble. They're in a Money in the Bank ladder match. Oh, they're in an elimination chamber now. Have you told one fucking story for them? Have you told one fucking story for the women? Yeah, you're checking off all the Hell in a Cell, the Rumble, the Steel Cage matches, so on and so forth. Tell a goddamn fucking story. Because it's Alexa Bliss, Bailey, Mandy Rose, Mickey James, Sonya Deville, and Sasha Banks, and not one of them had to earn their spot. Not one of them had to earn their spot in this match. Alexa Bliss hasn't defended her title since October. Why didn't anybody have to earn their spot in this match? How were these people chosen? It's never been explained to us. And that drives me crazy. That's laziness. That's just WWE jerking themselves off, breaking their arm, jerking themselves off to their stat book. Ooh, look at all the milestones we checked off this year. Tell these women some goddamn stories. I care because they're amazing in the ring. And they have per natural personalities. But people say, I still need a story. What is the story? 
The only story in the women's division right now is that Asuka is unstoppable. There's nothing else. The Paige injury hurt things. Obviously seeing Mandy and Sonya in this match. Paige was probably meant for this match. I'm gonna guess. That sucks, obviously. But at the same time, you gotta pick up the pieces and tell a fucking story. And they are not doing that for these women. So that's where I'm gonna end. To recap, my three favorite Elimination Chambers. The original. The 2014 one with Randy Orton beating Daniel Bryan. Oh, and the New Year's Revolution one that sets up Edge's first Money in the Bank cash-in and his first world title. The least favorite are both from 2015 and the ECW one. Do you see what's happening here? When WWE rushes these matches, it's usually shit. When there's not a story connected to these matches, they're usually shit. When you put people together that don't have a lot of chemistry together, it's usually shit or forgettable. You need guys that trust each other in this match because they are going to get hurt. That is steel on the outside. That is steel lining the pots. You know, there's going to be risks. There's going to be chances taken. And seeing Braun Strowman, Elias John Cena, Roman Reigns in the Miz in there makes me feel good about the men's match. Seeing Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville in there in the women's match makes me feel bad about the women's match. And that's nothing against them. There's just no story for them. They have no place in this match. What has Mandy Rose or Sonya Deville deserved, storyline-wise, I'm talking storyline-wise, not talent, deserve to be in this match? And that's my point here. You put guys in there that trust each other. You put people in there with a story. You're going to have a good match. That's the. That's it. You got Strowman and Reigns. You got Reigns and Cena. You got Elias and Cena. You've got Miz and Reigns. You've got Miz and Cena. You've got Miz and Strowman history. There are intertwined parts. Elias and Reigns just had a fantastic match on Raw a couple weeks ago. There are intertwined parts here. Now, if you take the women's match down to Alexa Bliss, Bailey, and Sasha Banks, we're probably going to remember it positively. If it's Alexa Bliss, Mandy Rose, and Sonya Deville in there, we're not going to remember this match positively unless fucking Mandy Rose knocks out Bliss and has to pin her. So I'm just kidding. I hope that doesn't happen. But let's just say here, Elimination Chamber, risky ground. Risky ground to take. I'm excited for this year's show because the unknown of the women's match and the names listed in the men's match. And if we get Finn Balor added to that match, I think we're in for one hell of a ride, and I don't think it's sexist to put the men on last because I want to see Braun put people through glass pods. And that's the only reason. Tell a story, put guys in there that you can trust, and you're going to be all right. All right, so that's been an hour-long episode of That's So Braven. Yeah, 50 minutes. We'll call it, we're rounded up to an hour here, Barry Zuckercorn style. But yeah, that's my breakdown on the Elimination Chamber. If you want to see me break down anything else, I'd be glad to. Who knows? Maybe I do a write-up ranking and breaking down the top 20 Elimination Chamber matches ahead of the show in text form as well, and I'll put that in there. But once again, this has been Benjamin Raven with The Court of Nerds. You can find us at thecourtofnerds.com, court underscore of underscore nerds on Twitter, Court of Nerds on Facebook, The Court of Nerds podcast on iTunes, and anywhere you can find podcasts. I am Benjamin Raven. You can find me on Twitter at Benjamin S. Raven. Yeah, that's about it. I'm looking forward to it, too, guys. Uh, I hope to have some exciting news here for you in the next couple of months. I'm going to start trying some new things here. I want to hear more from you guys. I want to do longer form things that aren't just current events. Like this. If you liked this, give me a shout. Make a suggestion. Tell me something you want to hear. If you want less swears, tell me. If you want more, 
Fuck it. Tell me.